Are you that weirdo who brings up the latest conspiracy theories during happy hour? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. You're so good to me. Hi, guys. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. We are a weekly podcast that loves to talk all things weird. And we also drink while we're talking about weird things. And we feature a cocktail every episode. Yes. We did it. We got there. We. It's been a struggle so far. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, speaking of cocktail, we have a spicy mango mojito. Oh, and it is. I'm telling you. Italian grandma kiss fingers. Delicious. Delicious. Fruity, a little spicy, herbaceous, Mm -hmm. everything you could want in a cocktail. Yeah. And the recipe and pictures for that will be on our Instagram. As always, happy hour gets weird pod. Check out the picture. Check out the recipe. The recipe? The recipe. You will not be disappointed. How come I just forget words that are just basic, normal words as soon as I know we're recording? May- I don't know. Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe. I should probably finish the rest of this mojito and then I'll feel great. <laughs> and before we get started, as always, thank you so much for listening. Yes, I second that for sure. And this week we are doing something we've actually never done before in the podcast. We are breaking into conspiracy theories. I'm so excited. Yes, I am too. So I have never heard yours. You have never heard mine. And one, two, three, go. All right. I'm first. So let's start with my sources. All that's interesting.com. I'm obsessed with this website. I know. I like it too. Religiondispatches.org. The Daily Grail. Britannica. And there's another site that I quote and I mention that in the body of my story. Okay. As we all know by now, mm-hmm. we are talking about conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, conspiracies are created because people refuse to accept the widely believed and often proven reasons for a certain event. Well, who was that famous guy who said the simplest explanation is the only explanation? That was me. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure who said that. I love that. Somebody said that. You said it. I I said said it. it. I'm not sure who said it first. It's a saying. Other times, however, lack of information creates a void of knowledge. Oh. And wherever there is a void, a conspiracy will try to fill it. Okay. So let's begin at the beginning. Good spot to start? Yeah. At the beginning. I love yeah. it. Georgia, 1979. Okay. Can you see it? I, d- I can. Do you feel it? Mm-hmm. A man using the fictitious name of Robert Christian, his signature was R.C. Christian, in case you were wondering. Every time I saw, I mean, I just immediately thought of R.C. Willie. Oh, nice. But why was it? Uh, I, oh, it doesn't matter. I know. It Sorry. Matter. It's just my natural, my, my natural Sagittarian curious needs cat. to ask why, even if there's no answer to that. Even yes. if I even already if know why. Even if it doesn't matter. Even if I to. already know why, I still have to ask why. Okay. So Robert Christian walked into Alberton Granite Finishing and spoke with its president, Joe Fendley. Christian claimed that for the last 20 years, an anonymous group that he belonged to had planned to build a monument. The monument was to be very large and strong enough to withstand the end of the world. (laughs) No big deal. Christian and his anonymous group believed the end days were near, clearly. They had finally decided on Elbert County to be the site for the monument because it had the best granite on earth. Mm. On these slabs would be written instructions for how to proceed after the end of human civilization. The monument that Christian described was massive, precise, and would become one of the biggest mysteries in the history of Georgia. And I'm just happy that they chose granite because they were going to do Irish spring soap, but that just seems like a bad idea. Shut up. (laughs) I like how you're always not 100% sure if I'm full of shit. I was like, okay, because I know this is a, you know, it's a conspiracy theory episode. So I'm like, well, anything could be true. It could be. Put on your foil hat and strap in. I'm already wearing it. At first, Fendley, the granite guy, Mm -hmm. just thought this guy is totally full of shit. Okay, wait, I have, 
first of all, can anybody just build a monument anywhere they want? Did they have to get a permit for this or? We're getting there. But yeah, if you have okay. the money, you can build whatever you want. And oh. you own the land, right? Good to know. Yeah. So Fenley thought this guy was full of shit. No way he has the resources to back up this huge job that he's mm-hmm. asking. Mm-hmm. So he sent Christian to the local banker, assuming there wouldn't be funds for the project. But there were funds. Christian had a $10,000 deposit ready to go. So they secured a location and the build began. Christian left town with a cryptic, you'll never see me again. (laughs) So dramatic. After the build was underway, Christian did write the banker asking that ownership of the monument's land be transferred to the county. Weird. Yeah. Also, I would like to say that Christian... And never disclosed his name to anybody except for Fenley the Granite Guy and the banker named Wyatt Martin. Um, he had to disclose his real name in order to sign all the documents and everything to get this underway. Right. But he made these men sign a non-disclosure agreement so they could never disclose his name. Really? Yes. So secretive. This monument was known as the Georgia Guidestones. Not ringing a bell. Yeah, I actually hadn't heard about this either, but I feel like we should have maybe. I feel like a lot of people know about it. Okay, just not us. So the monument was finished in March of 1980. The plans for the Guidestones, as I said, were impressive. The monument consisted of five stone slabs. These weighed approximately 42,000 pounds each. Oh my goodness. These slabs encircled a central pillar that weighed 21,000 pounds. Okay, I'm looking at the picture right now, and I'll post it. Yeah, he will post the picture online. So the slabs encircled a central pillar, as I said. Okay. The central pillar had a capstone weighing almost 25,000 pounds. The final monument would be over 19 feet tall and a total weight of 240,000 pounds. Okay, so I'm just going to say right now, if you are a visual learner like I am, go look at this picture because it, the description is wonderful. But if you're a visual learner, you need to see this to understand how it's laid out. Yeah, because we'll definitely post that. it's kind of amazing looking. It's pretty cool. Yeah. On the slabs written in eight specific languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian were instructions for humans in a post-apocalyptic world. One, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Okay. Two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven, Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. I mean, this sounds amazing. These rules, if we live by these rules, sound amazing. But not very realistic. Another feature of the Guidestones are astronomical specifications so particular that Fenley had to bring in a specialist from the University of Georgia. Specif- Specification. Specifications include. You should have done those warm-ups I told you about. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> a hole through which the North Star would always be visible. Okay. A slot aligned with the rising sun at solstices and equinoxes. In addition to the post-apocalypse instructions, Christian made sure that the Georgia Guidestones could serve as a kind of calendar as well. Hmm. So, although the mysterious R. Christian specifically said that the purpose of these stones would be, as the name implies, to guide surviving people in a post-apocalyptic world, numerous conspiracies have resulted from this monument. People have said that it like summons aliens. People have said that it has to do with the devil, that it can talk to you through like psychic messages. There's all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And this is really not that surprising because Christian used a fake name. The group 
that he was associating with was left anonymous, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's all very mysterious. There's so many, there's more unanswered questions than there are answered questions. So like you said, conspiracy fills the void. Yes. Wherever uncertainty lives, conspiracies are born. So today I'm going to focus on one conspiracy that I found the most enjoyable (laughs) and that sent me down the most rabbit holes. Okay. Okay. So many conspiracists believe that R.C. Christian was an easily decoded reference to Christian Rosencruz. Christian was the founder of the esoteric Rosicrucian order. Interesting. What is the Rosicrucian order, you ask? (laughs) Listener and Cassie? (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. Fuck no. Well, according to Rosicrucian.org. Well, I'm ready for you to make me. Not even .com.org. I'm ready for you to make me a believer. Okay. Rosicrucianism is a community of mystics who study and practice the metaphysical laws governing the universe. Oh. And their mission is to provide seekers with the spiritual wisdom necessary to experience their connectedness with the miraculous world around us and to develop mastery of life. Their studies include awakening the psychic consciousness, the creative power of visualization. Are you in? Mm -hmm, I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Sacred architecture. I Are like you in it more. Yes. Development of the intuition. I'm almost, I'm almost fully committed. Spiritual alchemy. I'm in 100%. Right, she's in. She's in. You also get a subway card, <laughs> punch card with every membership. You should have said that first. I would have been, then in, you right would have been in right away. Yeah. Okay. You, you started with the wrong. Yeah. Incentive. I buried the lead on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. According to Britannica.com. Rosicrucian teachings are a combination of occultism and other religious beliefs and practices, including Hermeticism, Jewish mysticism, and Christian Gnosticism. The central feature of Rosicrucianism is the belief that its members process secret wisdom that was handed down to them from ancient times. So to clarify all this, conspiracy theorists believe that the secret group that funded and designed the Georgia Guidestones is the Rosicrucian Order. Okay. Furthering the connection to Rosicrucianism is the exact location of the Guidestones. Okay. Although the larger nearby town of Alberton is usually referred to when discussing the location, the actual nearest town to the Guidestones is a very small town called Dewey Rose. Oh. The words Dew and Rose are both closely tied to the Rosicrucian tradition, as we all know, obviously. <laughs> The connection was a little convoluted. It has to do with like the root origin of the word Rosicrucian. Mm -hmm. But basically, those who practice these esoteric beliefs believe that the best symbol for the Rosicrucian order would be a rose with dewdrops on it. No. Is your mind blown? Uh, It's totally blown. I would have never come to that conclusion ever. And guess what the symbol used on the Rosicrucian website is? Let me guess. A rose with a dewdrop on it. No, I just set you up. Oh, you <laughs> asshole. No, it wasn't really that. But Is it the rose from Beauty and the Egi- Beast? It's an Egyptian-inspired wing, winged thing. It's like a cross and a triangle. Okay. It's kind of cool. But I will say that there is a rose in the background. Okay. A red rose. Is it dewy? No. It, it, it looked very dry. They oh. should probably work harder on that. Okay, so conspiracists... Conspiracists? That's a tough one. Believe... That the Guidestones are evidence that the Rosicrucians, along with other ancient esoteric groups, such as Masons and the Illuminati. Oh, you're bringing in like the heavy hitters. Yes. Conspiracists believe that all of those groups are all a part of a larger group called the New World Order. Oh, I've heard of the New World Order. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. This New World Order has a goal of creating a single world government and destroying sovereign nations and religion. Mm-hmm. I've heard of these guys. The NWO would create a totalitarian government and rule the world. Another plot of the evil globalist agenda is to drastically reduce the population. I only briefly scanned the Rosicrucian website. I listened to half their video. I signed up. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, I didn't see anything about a globalist agenda or decreasing the world's population. So... Maybe next year. 
I'll get, I'll get the pamphlet on that. Yeah. From what I understood, most that believe this thread of the conspiracy are fundamentalist Christians and extreme anti-government right-wingers. And they believe that the Guidestones are evidence that there are forces working to end Christianity. Hmm. A few hardcore fundamentalists believe that the Book of Revelations discussed the New World Order and a group was created in opposition to the Guidestones. It called itself the Resistance. Very Resistance. dramatic. <laughs> that was That was French for resistance. Oh, I loved it. This group tried to get the monument removed altogether, <laughs> which is like ridiculous. And also, I mean, could you beautiful. imagine? I wouldn't. I mean, just if you don't like it don't fucking look at it yes exactly that obviously didn't happen didn't get removed but the resistance triggered vandalism on the guidestones oh no and yeah a bunch of I, I don't know who they were they graffitied it and it was pretty fucked up in 2007 none other than mr alex jones himself did a documentary titled Endgame: blueprint for global enslavement which told of a plan to eliminate 80% of the population, the Georgia Guidestones were used as the primary evidence for Jones's rant. I mean, Jones, he's pretty high strung. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty intense. And I like how a monument is like, this is my source. It's my source evidence. This (laughs) this inanimate object. I mean, there's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So in my opinion... Keep the population under 500 million is a little aggressive. It's a little aggressive. Uh, but other than that, I really like the ideals that the um, the, the monument, guidestones. the guidestones have. Yeah. Perhaps R.C. Christian was a part of the Rosicrucian order. Or maybe he just some like eccentric millionaire that just wanted to be mysterious. You literally read my mind because that was the next thing I was going to say. No way. I swear to God. You're shitting me. Or perhaps he was just an eccentric rich guy who wanted to make a modern day Ten Commandments. That's what I said. We are the same oh my twin freaking flames. Oh my goodness. I mean, we'll never really know. Over the 40 years since the Georgia Guidestones were built, Christian never corrected any of the rumors or gave further explanation to the public. Does anybody know, like, where is he? Like, nobody even really knows where he is. He did have dinner a couple of times with, I believe, the granite finisher. Okay. It might have been the banker. He did have dinner a couple of times with one of the gentlemen that helped set this whole thing up. Right. But that's pretty much been it. And I think that the anonymity might simply be to serve the purpose of keeping the Guidestones relevant after all of these years. If no one is given the exact reason behind their creation, every generation can plug in their specific struggle and interpret the stones however they see fit. You know what? I think you are onto something. I was just thinking like if it's not tied to a certain group, then they could just be kind of like a universal, known as like a universal guidestone. Just everybody. Exactly. Christian himself made this point when he said, if you want to keep people interested You can let them know only so much. I agree. I agree. And for civilization in the distant future, who knows what the Georgia Guidestones will point to? Well, for sure, they're going to point to the North Star. Definitely. And so there's that. It's it's always going to be that calendar. (laughs) I mean, that was very interesting. I want to read your pamphlet when you get it in the mail. Yeah, it should be here in... um, Three to six business days, they said. Cool, cool, I get cool. a cape. I get wings, a wing, a badge to wear. So that'll be good. You get a badge with mm-hmm. wings on it? Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's actually what the pilots give you when it's your first flight as a child. It's similar to that. I think that's pretty cool. That's like a, kind of a cool experience. Yeah, it was only $700. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about it. In all seriousness, uh, reading about this was interesting to me, and I... I do see how people think that there's a connection between the man who funded this project Mm -hmm. with the Rosicrucian order. It does make sense to me, Mm -hmm. but everything that people think that the Rosicrucian order is trying to accomplish, that's the part where I'm like, no way I'm out. Does that make sense? I don't think that the Rosicrucian order and Freemasons and the Illuminati are working together in a secret new world order to have a totalitarian world government and reduce the population by 80%. That to me seems a little... Is that far-fetched? A little far-fetched. 
A little much. I don't know. Are you saying maybe? I'm just saying there's forces. I'm just saying every. She's moving her hands because she forgets we're on a. (laughs) You can't see her. Uh, Yeah, I'm like waving my arms like a windmill. Um, I I don't know. Like I've seen Wizard of Oz. You know. What? Does that make sense? No, (laughs) I just did the. John C. Riley, what the fuck face? What you know, like the the there's like someone always behind the curtain. Oh, the wizard? Yeah. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I was literally thinking the flying monkey scene. No, I wasn't talking about Dorothy. I was talking about the wizard and Wizard of Oz. Like there's always some I think there's, there's always some, somebody something. behind the curtain. Yes. So that could be the New World Order. Yes. Is what it, you're saying. I'm saying it could be. I mean, I guess it could be. I think that it's more likely that this esoteric group, which just is a fancy way of saying secret club. Yeah. Is wanted to build the monument because they really thought that the world was going to end. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. And I get the population things does seem drastic, but if it's the end of the world, the population will be way lower than 500 million already. Right. 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 So I don't know. It's fascinating. And it's crazy that to think that he would keep that secret for all these years. Could you keep a secret for 40 years? Mm, If the world depended on it. And he, I guess he thought that. Yeah, maybe. Why would it matter if he, what club funded it? Why would it you matter? Know, I feel like, okay, if you knew, like, say you went to these guidestones and you're like, oh my gosh, I love, I love these guidestones. I love what they say. I'm going to live by these or when the world ends, I'm going to live by these if I survive. Mm-hmm. But then you found out someone that you didn't align yourself with made these guidestones. Then you wouldn't like them. I, I, yeah. So I think it was just to keep them anonymous was more uniting if you will I agree I appreciate that thought they're nice ideals and they're cool everyone loves a good mystery right I mean if anything the people in Dewey Rose have a really cool place to go and ponder yes life I appreciate them I like them if if anybody wants to build a monument in my backyard (laughs) just (laughs) give me a call my email is at (laughs) rosicution.org All right. I'm so excited. All right. So I just have to say this episode research was a little bit difficult for me because I'm not a traditional conspiracy theorist. I've never really looked into them. You know, you've heard about conspiracies or whatever, and you're like, ah, could be. I mean, but just five minutes ago, I was like, well, new world order could be a thing. I was going to say, you sound like you're but kind you know, like the me. the popular conspiracy theories, like I'm not really into, like the moon landing and the chemtrails and the yes. stuff. It's it's all kind of like not really yes. real to me. Anyways, so I went with a little bit of a different conspiracy. I went with a person that was supposed to be dead isn't actually dead conspiracy. Okay, I'm here for it. So I went with John Dillinger isn't really dead. Well, he is now because he was born in the uh, 1900, early 1900s. So he is technically dead by now, unless he's the oldest living human on the planet. Mm-hmm. But at the time he was supposedly killed, he wasn't actually killed. All right. So my sources for this conspiracy theory are robertebert.com, mm-hmm. film wrong, Dillinger not killed by FBI, fact, Hoover cover up. By J. Robert Nash, who is actually a crime writer that I've never heard of. And uh, he wrote a book about John Dillinger. And it's available on Amazon for (laughs) $1,000. He only needs to sell one. Yeah. Fucking genius. Another source was CourierPress.com. Did John Dillinger survive? Four reasons the conspiracy theory may be true. By John Webb. And... I switched it up this week and I did not use Wikipedia. I went to biography.com, John Dillinger. So who is John Dillinger, you ask? Yes, I actually do ask. I can't, I'm actually shocked that you don't know who John Dillinger is. I told is. you that I know who he is, but I don't know this. I don't know this situation. The conspiracy theory surrounding his yes. quote death. Yes. Quote. All right. So. John Dillinger was born June 22nd, 1903 in Indianapolis, Indiana. He put together one of the most organized and deadly bank robbing groups in the country. From late 1933 into 
into the next year, the gang committed several Midwest bank robberies, and they were always meticulously planned, and the heist even often had a theatrical flair, which I can appreciate. There are stories of Dillinger being a Robin Hood type, and and he also fell under the glamorization of the Depression-era gangster. Mm -hmm. Like Bonnie and Clyde, Babyface what was his name? Babyface Nelson? I can't think of it. He was actually part of the Dillinger gang. Oh, sorry. Uh, Babyface was. Bonnie and Clyde, I feel like we're in a different category. They were running alongside of the Dillinger gang at the same time during the Depression era. But I feel like Bonnie and Clyde... Um, I wasn't... Wasn't Dillinger the one that thought that Bonnie and Clyde were too unprofessional? And he was like, get the fuck out? Um, that was another gangster in the, a part of the mob. Oh, okay. Bonnie and Clyde were unprofessional. They were a ragtag crew of idiots. You're going to come to see. I have a thing for rough around the edges bad boys who have a Robin Hood complex. Clearly, I'm a little bit biased. You have the hots for Dillinger. Oh my God, he was so hot. Was he actually hot or just? No, he was actually physically hot. What? Don't Google it. I'm going to show you. Okay, okay, okay. I'm so excited. In my opinion, he was hot. Okay. So... After an escape from prison and his celebrity on the rise, the FBI made the Dillinger gang, specifically John Dillinger, public enemy number one. They actually did that on his birthday. Um, They announced it to the world on (laughs) his birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, your public enemy number one. (laughs) President at the time, Franklin, that D, Roosevelt, also known as FDR, was putting pressure on Hoover who was the director of the new, quote, FBI mm-hmm. to catch Dillinger because the press was starting to make the law enforcement and the FBI look bad. Mm-hmm. So I we need to take, take a little bit of time to cover Hoover. History lesson. Yeah. So a little bit about Hoover and the FBI because it plays into the conspiracy theory. Okay. Hoover took over the FBI after his presidency. So... Hoover took over the FBI, and when he took it over, it was extremely corrupt. So he cleaned house, and to control any leftover corruption Mm -hmm. or to kind of control the name of the FBI moving forward, he controlled any press related to the FBI. Nothing went to the press, meaning newspaper or radio, without going through him. So he was a mouthpiece of the FBI. Okay. Now, it's said... In some people's opinions, that Hoover built the FBI based on lies. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And fabrication. So getting rid of the corruption was... No, he got rid of the corruption, but what he did to build a new reputation for like an invincible FBI... Oh, okay. He started dramatizing arrests, Mm -hmm. like making them more uh, like grandiose than they actually were okay um or he would just make up details that weren't true or didn't exist so that brings me to melvis purvis fbi agent in charge of the purvis melvis purvis that's the worst fucking name (laughs) in the world melvis purvis okay we have Delanor and Melvis Purvis. That D and Melvis Purvis. Okay, Okay. so we have Melvis Purvis, who was an FBI agent in charge of the Dillinger case. Mm -hmm. So Purvis had been chasing... (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst of last week when you kept saying the rod. (laughs) Magical rod. Magic rod. Purvis kept chasing Dillinger. No. Now I'm distracted by Purvis. Purvis had been chasing Dillinger for months, and every time he came close to Dillinger and his gang, they managed to escape. Hoover was breathing down his neck, so he was under a lot of pressure. There was one infamous incident that happened three months before Dillinger's death that would set the conspiracy in motion. Okay. April 1934. Mm-hmm. Purvis got a tip that Dillinger and his gang were holed up in Little Bohemia Lodge in Manitowish Waters, Wisconsin. Purvis gathered every agent in the area, and even two local reporters were there. That night, Purvis and the other agents shot three innocent men, What? killing one. They mistook the members of Dillinger's gang during the botched raid. So what happened was they were hiding in the woods. Mm -hmm. Three men come 
and this is under darkness. Mm-hmm. They're facing the lodge. Three men come out of this lodge, and it was like a local lake lodge where like local workers went to hang out. Yeah. Okay. So three men come out. They're not seen because it's dark. They get in the car, and all of a sudden, someone yells, "They're getting away! Get them!" And they just shoot up the car. They just shoot they up just the car. They just assumed that the three men must be yes. John Dillinger and his gang. Yes. They okay. shoot up the car. They shoot up the lodge. They just shoot the shit okay. out of everything. All the while this mm-hmm. shooting is going on, the Dillinger gang slipped out the back window and followed the wooded shore of the lake to escape. Uh, it was a huge huge fuck up for Purvis and the FBI and ultimately Hoover and FDR. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, big, 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 big fuck up. Three months later, Purvis got another tip in East Chicago, Indiana mm-hmm. uh, from a, quote, crooked cop by the name of Sergeant Martin Zarkovich. Zarkovich said he and a lady friend who was a madam of a mob brothel by the name of Anna Sage said one of her girls, Polly, was going on a date and had been dating Dillinger for a while mm-hmm. and they were going to go on a movie date in the next couple of days. And her, her full name was Polly Hamilton. Okay. By the way, on July 22nd, 1934, Purvis and other agents waited outside the biograph theater in East Chicago. And in the 10 PM hour, just as Dillinger, Polly Hamilton and Anna Sage walked down the street an anxious Purvis quickly pulled out his gun and yelled, Stick him up, Johnny. We have you surrounded. Dillinger began to run, reaching into his pants pocket to draw a gun. At this point, he entered an alley just as a volley of gunfire greeted him. The fatal shot entered the base of Dillinger's neck, traveled upward, hitting the second vertebrae before exiting below his right eye. Mm. Or did it? Dun dun. Now. This is where the conspiracy comes in. I'm here for it. I don't really believe anybody named Purvis. <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm kind of on board with this one. I think okay. it might be true. Okay, so what do people think? What's the conspiracy? Okay. The conspiracy is that it wasn't him yes, that it, got shot. Okay. And I'll tell you why. What people think is a petty criminal by the name of James Lawrence mm-hmm. was set up by Dillinger. And Martin Zarkovich to fake John Dillinger's death. Oh, that's fucked up. So they were just like, hey, will you go to this movie? Pretty much. (gasps) So if this is true, it would make John Dillinger and his gang and the two women, Mm -hmm. Anna and Polly Mm -hmm. and Martin Zarkovich, all an accomplice to this James Lawrence's death or murder, really. Yes. And the reason that people think this is because, Mm -hmm. and this is where the picture comes in. Okay. So, uh, John Dillinger escaped from, he was arrested, uh, and then he escaped from jail and he was on the run for a long time. Yeah. So when he was in hiding, he actually was friends with the mob in Chicago and he paid some mob Chicago doctors for reconstructive surgery on his face. What? Yes. What the fuck? Yes. One and another member of his gang had reconstructive surgery. That's crazy in the 30s? Yeah. I didn't even know plastic surgery was a thing. It was a thing, apparently. Holy shit. Okay. So um, what he had was he had a couple moles removed and he had like a rudimentary facelift. So the one of the most re- most remarkable things about John Dillinger's face is he had a cleft chin. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so d- for this facelift, it supposedly undid the cleft chin. Whoa. I don't okay. know how that would work. So he had moles removed. He had two like pretty prominent moles on his face, and he had those removed, and he had uh, a facelift, which kind of pulled his, um, what's this called? This wrinkle right here? Smile like lines. smile lines? His smile lines from his nose to the corners of his mouth. Mm-hmm. It kind of pulled that back. So he looked younger. He looked plumper. It's not bad, actually. The fact that he survived to me is just incredible because this sounds all, this just seems so crazy. Okay. Uh, I want to see these pictures. Supposedly, he recovered for a month at a, at a pretty infamous mob 
boss's house in Chicago. So that's one part of this conspiracy theory. So when Purvis saw Mm -hmm. Dillinger on the street, Purvis said, wow, that reconstructive surgery really was good because I don't recognize him. However, then how did he know it was him? Listen, okay. however, Dillinger, it said that was, it was upset with the doctors because when he looked at himself in the mirror after his surgery, he said, I look like the same person. Could it be that maybe they shot the wrong person? And that's why Purvis didn't recognize him because he wasn't <gasps> actually John Dillinger. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to reveal the before and after plastic surgery that was in the newspaper. Okay, I'll be the judge to to tell you if he looked the same before and after. I'm just going to say I prefer physically the the before. Okay. I'm physically attracted to the before, the okay. after. All right. Get a room, Cassie and John <laughs> Dillinger. Okay, wait, wait, wait first. Okay. So Purvis great name. Purvis had heard that John Dillinger had this plastic surgery. Yes. Yes. So in his mind he's looking for somebody who looks totally different. Yes. So per- he's just running around like, is it you? Is it, are you, is that John Dillinger? I mean, seems like his style. He shoots yeah. first and then asks questions later. So he's Purvis, a minute man. Y- yes. So Purvis said it didn't look like John Dillinger, but I recognized him right away. Makes sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Perv. So now I'm showing the before and after. You know what? This is incredibly good work. I'm looking at the before and the after and honestly in the before no glasses and the after glasses in the before a couple of small moles and like you were saying the smile lines Mm -hmm. the chin is a little bit more prominent Mm -hmm. in the after it just kind of looks like his younger brother it looks like if you had a younger sibling who you guys obviously are siblings Mm -hmm. but one is like five years younger right this plastic surgeon was kick ass. Yeah. And he actually changed his hair and he started dyeing his hair black instead of, which was traditionally brown. And I agree with you before it was cuter, but maybe it's a weird stash situation. The stash I don't think is working for him in picture two. Yeah. I don't like that stash either. So that's one uh, part of this theory is that he actually didn't look like John Dillinger, but he was supposed to have reconstructive surgery and half of the consensus is it didn't really change his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other half was like, oh, well, well, the FBI half said, well, it did change his face, but it's still him. Now we have to look at Zarkovich. What was his motivation to turn in Dillinger? Mm-hmm. Why? Yes. He said that Dillinger, he told Purvish that Dillinger had shot one of his uh, friends on the police force in in Indiana and he wanted to get revenge. Okay. However, it did not come out until later that Zarkovich didn't actually have uh, the name that he gave him. What There was nobody on the police force by that name. What? Yeah. Okay. So we're like, okay, well, he Who wanted to get revenge, yeah. but we just poked a giant hole in that theory. Mm-hmm. Now, it's said that Zarkovich was a crooked cop. So the theory is that Dillinger paid him off to set up Purvish along with the two women. Okay. So that's the Zarkovich angle. Like, why would he do it? Yada, yada. Then we come to the autopsy. So two pathologists performed this autopsy in front of a student group of pathologists. So during the autopsy, uh, Dillinger had uniquely colored eyes. They were gray and they were very recognizable. Okay. So the man that they autopsied had brown eyes. Okay. It's not him. (laughs) Uh, His teeth did not match. And also the man, uh, his height and weight also didn't match. The man who was shot on the street in East Chicago was heavier than Dillinger was supposed to be, which I don't really care about weight. Weight Go could to fluctuate. The yeah. Uh, actually, it just was the weight that didn't match. My bad. Okay, that's all right. It's okay. I, I already I'm already out because of the eyes and the teeth. So that's how you find people is through their dental. Right. Also, his fingerprints didn't match. Okay. But. What? I will say that during his reconstructive surgery, he did have, have the doctors alter? Uh, alter his fingerprints with chemicals. <gasps> Ooh, ouch. Supposedly. Oh, shit. Also, for me. I just me, want a movie just about his surgery. I know. So for me, 
what I find interesting is the man that they autopsied had a congenital heart disease and Dillinger played baseball in his early Mm twenties. Um, he played in a minor league baseball team and he also played for multiple prisons. Oh, wow. And it's said that he's known to jump over six foot walls to get away. So it doesn't sound like somebody who would have. The pathologist said someone with this heart condition could never play sports like that. They physically couldn't do it. And the body that they autopsied also didn't have matching scars that Dillinger had from being shot. Okay, I 100% believe this conspiracy. So I'm or I'm in. The, I was in with the eyes. So that's the autopsy angle, which I'm in it. And now the autopsy report was lost for 50 years. So they couldn't, they just lost, lost. them. Lost? Yes. Purvish had it in his diary. Yes. So, and the man who, who basically is kind of like behind this theory, Nash, he spoke with the two pathologists, mm-hmm. uh, I believe in the 60s. And they confirmed all this information. And they later found the autopsy. So the pathologist obviously didn't think that that was really him either. Yes. Now, this leads us to the FBI cover-up. So the FBI flubbed the last stakeout. They killed an innocent man, shot two other innocent men, Mm -hmm. and they couldn't handle another mishap. So they covered it up. They basically said, yes, it's John Dillinger. Case closed, period. It's not that hard to believe that that would happen, quite honestly. Right. It makes total sense that they would do that. Right. So Purvish, in his FBI report that Nash said he saw, did say that there was some questionable aspects as far as if it was was really John Dillinger. Um, But he went along with the story that Hoover crafted because he wanted to save his job. I mean, eventually he got fired the next year. Anyway, He got fired one year later? Yes. Because he, they couldn't handle saying Purvish anymore at meetings? I get it. Well, he was irresponsible. Clearly. Um, how many people are you going to kill on accident? Yeah. So another thing leading to this theory is when Dillinger was... Okay, so this... we You think now in today's age we're true crime obsessed? It's always been that way. What? It's... I, I feel like we've kind of are more civilized-ish... Mm-hmm. But the the night that he was shot on the street, there was women running up, dipping their handkerchiefs and their skirt hems in his blood. I believe it. That's for like, like a macabre memento. I believe it. That's like when Bonnie and Clyde got killed. They were yes. trying to cut off pieces of Bonnie or of Clyde's like ear and fingers and weird shit. Yes. Very macabre. Yes. Very disturbing. So what they did is Dillinger's father. Mm hmm. Uh, when they went to bury him, he brought in an entire crew of workers to, when they buried him, they covered him with uh, rebar and cement. So he couldn't be a victim of grave robber. However, the other side of that is they say that Dillinger and his father orchestrated that not for grave robbers. So they couldn't dig him up and prove that it wasn't him. Oh my God, that's so smart. And because grave robbing used to be a thing, you could totally just play it off. Yeah. And they that Nash says that Dillinger himself was even there burying himself. Oh my God. Yes. It's said that Dillinger went west and lived on a Native American reservation and remarried a Native American woman and lived happily ever after. Nash even claims that he has a picture of Dillinger and his new wife in Oregon from 1948. And it's in this book that costs a thousand dollars on Amazon and I cannot afford to buy it. Can we just have Patreon to buy this book? Seriously, (laughs) if you want us to buy this book so we can see this picture, please donate $1,148. $1,148. Is there somebody out there that thinks that their grandpa was John Dillinger? I'm yes. Sorry. I'm sorry. Am I yes, absolutely. Okay. 100%. Yes. Okay. So Nash wrote the entire book on the fact that he doesn't believe John Dillinger was killed that night. It was actually James Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And Nash talked to the last remaining gang member of the Dillinger gang, Russell Clark, when he got out of prison and Russell Clark pretty much confirmed the story that he helped Dillinger orchestrate his own death and that he moved to California and he even pointed Nash in the direction of where John Dillinger might be to that day. And, and so 
Audrey was John Dillinger's sister, mm-hmm. and she was making a lot of visits to Southern California, Puente, California, to be exact. And when Nash met with Russell Clark, he said, you know, where's Dillinger? And Russell Clark, you know, being the tough guy, he was like, oh, you think you're so smart. You did all this research. Like, why don't you find him, wise guy? And uh, he said, well, why is Audrey, Dillinger's sister, making so many visits to Southern California? I have a feeling he might be in Southern California. And all Clark said was, why don't you check out Puente, California? And that was it. So Nash went to Puente, California. And he met up with a man in a dark room that he believes is John Dillinger. Well, he believed was John Dillinger because this was a long time ago. Okay. Uh, This wasn't recent. This didn't happen recently. So this was a quote that he ended the article on uh, robertebert.com. He said, from what he said, I thought then and do now that he could have been that man. If that was the case, however, it was not my obligation to inform anyone about it. For according to the FBI, John Herbert Dillinger had been dead since July 22nd, 1934. The world bought Hoover's story, and it is welcome to it. I told my story, and the world is welcome to that, too. I have chills. Okay. He said that he met this man in a dark room in Puente, California, that he believes could be John Dillinger. That is the conspiracy theory behind John Dillinger, John Dillinger and why he wasn't the one killed in the alley next to the theater in East Chicago on July 22nd, 1934. Now, there recently, as recent as last year, actually July or August last year, there are John Dillinger's relatives have mm-hmm. requested for the county that the, that he's buried in to dig up his grave. They put in a request for the county to dig up his grave because they said, we don't believe that it's him mm-hmm. because of all these reasons. And we also want to know if it's, if it's not him, if we do a DNA test and find out it's not him, we want to know if there's any living relatives or what his, what life he lived after he left here and went West the county approved it. <gasps> they are going to dig him up. Oh my God. Do you know when? No, there's no timeline on when it's going to be done because it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. Pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, but because there's it's a ton of concrete and rebar and it, it's going to be a lot of work. They don't know when it's going to happen, but it has been approved. Oh my God. I'm so, we're going to have to follow this case and we will yeah, talk I about think, it on the pod. I, I'm so excited. I think the History Channel is going to do a, um, maybe a show mm-hmm. on it, on digging up um, John Dillinger. So I have a thing for Depression era gangsters, um, and John Dillinger just happens to be super handsome, and I actually think he really did have a Robin Hood-like mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't kill a lot of people. He shot one police officer in a gunfight, he wasn't like, in my opinion, that like a ruthless murder, everything I've heard about him. So, you know, yes, he was a criminal, but he's happened to be super hot and he was kind of a Robin Hood. So, you know, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for him. I get it. I totally get it. And I, it's this, a fascinating story. This is a fascinating story. And I, I'm in, like, I believe this conspiracy. I believe it. It's, it's one of those things where Everybody can sit here and say like, you know, there's no way this could be true. But every year we discover a new quote unquote conspiracy theory that ends up being true. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this, I feel like next year, this is going to be another one of them. Uh I'm totally in. I'm in. I'm 100%. I don't think they killed John Dillinger that, that night in the alley. I don't either. Oh my gosh. This was so fun. This is good. I I can't wait to, I can't wait till they dig him up, which is a weird sentence to say. I know. Oh my gosh, great job. I feel the same way. Great job today. You too. New World Order and the... (laughs) Rosicrucian, the hardest word in the world to say. (laughs) I I would have been out. Rosicrucian, I would have been like, I'm out. Different conspiracy theory. You did a great job with that. I think that with mine, I think mine was half true. 
I do think that he was part of the Rosicrucian order. You do. But I don't think that the Rosicrucian order is trying to take over the world. Take over the world. Yeah. And with yours, I think yours is 100% true. Oh, yeah. I don't think they killed him. I think it was a cover up so they didn't look like shitbags for the second or third or thousandth time. Yeah. And I think that he lived a long, good life. Right. I mean, the FBI today is a very different organization than it was in 1930s. It was just yes. starting. They were learning as they go. They employed, totally. you know, newly FBI agents who didn't, they didn't have all the training that they have now. So, yeah, it's yeah. no judgment on the FBI today. That's None. a totally different entity at this point. Could they still be hiding stuff? Definitely. That's their job, I think. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's but will I watch Mindhunter every single season? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, best show, best scripted <laughs> show on television. So yeah, that I thought I, I searched and searched and searched for a conspiracy that I could really get behind. It was so hard for me because quite honestly, a lot of them, I like to deal in facts. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of them are like, I think we really went to the moon. Yes, absolutely. And that's the kind of stuff that makes other conspiracies hard to believe. Because they're all lumped in together. Yes. But if you look at each case by case, there's a lot of them that have a lot of fact behind them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm So I found one that I could really get behind. And I was excited about it because it was something that I was into. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I love it. I'm like, have Google alerts, John Dillinger. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I love it. Great, great, great job. This was a fun episode. I so actually fun. am looking forward to doing more conspiracy episodes. After this one. Yeah. At first I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to just have to get through this. And then conspiracy theories are not my thing. I'm not a theorist. I have people in my life who are theorists. I jumped in with both feet and I liked yours more. So good job. Um, so this has made me excited to do more episodes on conspiracy theories. If you have a fame, a conspiracy theory that you love, send it to us. We'll research it. We'll cover it. Tell Definitely. us what you think. We even will give you a shout out. Definitely. And definitely on the shout outs. Yeah. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Merci and gracias. Oh, that was good. That was three languages. Yes. Less than what's on the guidestones, but that's all right. I don't think you know Swahili. That's all right. I forget. I you. don't know Swahili. Learn it for next week. We've said plenty of thank yous in multiple different languages, but we still couldn't say it enough because we truly do appreciate you listening. Definitely. And find us on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram. We also have an email, happyhourgetsweird at gmail.com. If you want to send us any emails, stories, weirdness, just say hello. We love what you're doing. And um, rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate it. Yes. And don't forget, guys, hydrate, meditate, and masturbate. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Salad.